Welcome to our newest adventure for first responder wellness. No one fights alone. In-depth conversations about mental health and culture in the first responder space. We're joined by your co-hosts, Austin Pedersen and Brad Shepard. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to No One Fights Alone. Today, I have a awesome guest on. Her name is Megan Louts. Uh, she is a nutrition focusing in on the firefighter and first responder community. Her background is as a registered dietitian and personal trainer on a mission to help first responders optimize performance, recover fast, enjoy long, healthy retirements. I love that mission, Megan. And she is currently full-time. I love this. You are full-time with Fairfax County Fire and Rescue in Virginia. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm uh, I'm excited about talking about this topic. This is uh, this is really kind of a difficult subject on a lot of levels uh, for a lot of reasons. Sure. Some people just don't want to talk about it. Uh, some people are really uneducated. It's hard to learn everything you need to know about the diet and proper and eating. And then you have these challenges of sure. our first responder community where I mean, nothing is normal. There's no, it's just constant state of chaos. And then you try to squeeze in a uh, fried burrito uh, in the break. So yep. let's, uh, let's dive in here a little bit. Megan, tell us a little bit about who Megan Lotz is. Absolutely. So um, my name is Megan Lotz. I'm a registered dietitian. I specialize in first responders. Um, so most of my experience is uh, t with firefighters and police officers, but I have worked with dispatch. I've worked with um, sheriffs, corrections. Um, and then, of course, uh, working in an OC Health Clinic, nurses and docs. Um, so I am kind of obsessed with how making nutrition fit the actual lifestyle of a first responder and maybe getting less stuck in the weeds of nutrition and more into like, how do I actually make this work my, with my life when I've got kids and family and other things going on? That's fascinating. And you you currently work full time at uh, what, what is a daily day in the life of Megan full time? Uh, nutritionist at Fairfax County look like? What do you do all day? You sit around and, and feed them lollipops, healthy lollipops. What's what's going on there? Oh, I bring snacks every time. You have to like, it's, I am a hundred percent into bribery. Like that is the only way I, I feel like you can really work well with first responders is throwing snacks at them. Um, but yeah, it, it really varies because I don't, I, you know, I really believe in boots on the ground approach. So being where first responders are. So their station, the academy, um, we have a gym specific to them. I am at the clinic occasionally as well, but I think it's important to be in their environment for me to learn and always be updated on what that environment is like. Because I think every first responder knows staffing deficits, shift morale, um, one really bad call that makes the county look bad. That that all impacts our first responders directly. And that impact in, in a, uh, inadvertently impacts nutrition. So in terms of what that looks like, it could be um, a station dinner. It could be a um, lunch with like buffalo chicken wraps or smoothie demos. Uh, I was just at the academy doing a hydration station and they said, hey, do you want to go in the burn building today and observe what's going on? And I was like, absolutely, I do. <laughs> so I have my own gear. They set me on fire sometimes. I have a great time. I send pictures to my mom. She gets traumatized. And, you know, listen, I'm living the dream. So that's what it looks like in Fairfax. And then I also do consulting on the side. 
um, doing like public speaking conferences, events at departments, um, and then, you know, one-on-one coaching, of course, both at Fairfax and then on, on the side. It sounds like, uh, it sounds like you're building quite a uh, resume there. Do you feel like there's some, uh, passive aggressive, we're setting our nutritionist on fire because they don't like your message? Oh, absolutely. I had a dietetic intern too. I was like, this is this kid's dream, like sending their, di- you know, their preceptor into the fire, oh, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But no, they're always so good to me, you know, like it, it, it's kind of nice because it seems like they're actually excited to see me try stuff, right? Um, and and yeah, I have no problem putting myself on fire in order to maybe gain a little bit more traction with them, right? Well, I think you're certainly, uh, in all seriousness, we're a hard culture to break into. And, and if you don't understand right. us, we don't give you much credibility on the return end. So I think sure. you're onto something. So if we dive into, uh, let's dive into a little bit of kind of why you're here. If, if there was a, you know, give us, give us kind of your take on what we should be doing out here to help us be better eaters and survivors in our community? What, what lessons would you throw out there on the table as far as here's, here's the things that, uh, the checklist things that Megan says is important. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think it all comes down to consistency and kind of almost, this is going to sound ridiculous, but lowering the bar. Right. And, And let me explain what I mean by that. For a lot of first responders, you are fed information that is made for people who work a nine to five who go to bed with, you know, at their own house every night, eat dinner with their family, eat dinner with their kids. And while that's not always the, you know, easy lifestyle either, you know, first responders, you are exposed to trauma um, and then expected to go to the next call, all, you know, happy and, and normal and delivering excellent customer service. Um, and then, you know, you're working calls after midnight. There's a lot of stress. And, and the reality is lack of sleep and stress change our appetite. It changes, it shifts our hormones and our hunger levels. So it, it, it's kind of more of giving yourself a little bit of grace when it comes to this stuff. And instead of being perfect and expecting to only eat fruits and vegetables, only ever having, uh, you know, um, lean stuff, protein all the time and never having pizza again, that's, that's not what life's about. It's having that balance. Um, so that's kind of what I'm more uh, leaning towards is how do we get first responders more consistent with more realistic approaches that flex with the the changes that happen over the course of the career? Oh, I, that, that message resonates so loudly. And as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm picturing such a, a vast difference, uh, but all in the same boat of, I, I have this image of, uh, an ambulance parked out of a quick stop and they're sitting in there eating and I yeah. know they're eating garbage. I know they're eating shit. Sure. Uh, and watching the ER nurses, uh, they would, you know, who wants, who wants Sonic? Cause I'm making a Sonic run. And then the, and you know, all these different, yeah. just, uh, you know, out of necessity almost. So the sure. message of we're, we don't fit the nine to five resonates so loudly. So what can we do? What what is what types of things can we do to actually eat better and healthy in in regards to that? Sure. Well, um, I, I think the biggest thing, if I was going to simplify nutrition into any sort of like triage it down, right? Um, it would be pr- get a protein and a plant at every meal, if you can. And a plant is a fruit or a vegetable. So if you're like, I'm a hard pass on veggies, but I'll do fruit, then I'll take that. So if you're doing a fruit or veg, uh, a protein and a plant at most meals, you're doing better than 90% of the population. For the first responder community, that might mean it might be a packaged option. So it could be applesauce pouches, dried fruit, um, a prepackaged salad that you grabbed from the 7-Eleven or whatever 
you know, uh, Wegmans or whatever, um, you know, even a frozen meal, there are frozen options that are healthier. Um, the other side too is, is considering, especially as you move up in your career and, and maybe promote and, and get uh, opportunities for larger salaries, considering meal preparation programs. There's tons um, available now. Actually, what we did in Fairfax, we established a relationship with a company called Mighty Meals, and they actually give our first responders a 25% off discount. Um, link to our county email and they, uh, that, that brings the meals from like $12 a meal to $9 a meal. And our officers and, um, firefighters are loving that just because it just gives them time back. You know, other things that you can consider too is, uh, delivery options. Uh, we've, uh, we've been kind of with mixed feedback, setting up a relationship with chopped to deliver and they deliver for free. If you have enough orders to our, to our, um, academy. So that there are, you can order salad or whatever with the first responder discount with free de- delivery and it's right there for you. So there's a couple different ways to strategize. It takes a little bit of time and um, community outreach and actually asking for that help. But there's definitely some ways to make it easier on this population. You know, I see meal prep as being a kind of a growing trend, uh, not just, yeah. not, and I don't necessarily mean people preparing their own meal, but purchasing somebody yeah. else's meal prep plan. Uh you know, getting into the, you know, if you talk about getting into the workout community, but I see a lot of first responders looking at that and it, it, yeah. it's fascinating because it's such a, it, it seems like such a good opportunity to get, you know, what you said, uh, protein and plant on the same, same platform. Yeah. So where do carbs, where do carbs fit into that kind of? Oh yeah, absolutely. So carbs absolutely fit into this, but the carbs kind of vary based on where that first responder is. Um, and what does that mean? So um, if I uh, have an active firefighter, then that's probably roughly for men, two fistfuls, maybe three to four, depending on how active, if there was a fire, if there was a, uh, an active shooter drill training that day, then it's going to be on the higher end. Now, what happens with the carbs is if you go to light duty, you get injured, you're stuck doing desk duty and you're miserable. It drains you mentally and physically in this like whole other way, right? Like you get home from work and you're like, I'm going to, I'm a potato for the rest of the day. Um, y'all don't like nine to five either. <laughs> so with that, typically activity levels are significantly lower in our light duty first responders. So what that means is their portion sizes go down. This is also for our dispatchers as well. If you don't have access to a standing desk, a walking desk, when your activity is restricted, either due to the nature of the job or due to an injury, then um, the carbohydrate portion will will reduce, be- not necessarily because you don't need it at all. It's just your calories overall reduce. Sure. If that makes uh, sense. Yeah. And and you bring up a great point of, of knowing, you, and, and it is, doesn't come by... Uh, doesn't come easily. You have to be very self-aware of when you're being uh, active, when you're being inactive. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's absolutely fascinating. So anyway, I didn't want to derail you there, or I actually did derail. I'm very so you're talking about triage. You were talking about, <laughs> and there was so I yeah. took you uh, on a little goose chase from protein and plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what else? What what yeah. was kind of your next uh, triage moment there? The other, th- I mean, I think all of us know hydration is going to be super important. Um, and then I kind of throw caffeine into hydration. Too. Love our it's caffeine. Like, uh, it's a liquid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, from a hydration standpoint, I mean, it, it, it varies based off of what job you have, right? Um, so typically, I go with the Institute of Medicine's recommendation for tactical athletes, which is um, 91 ounces for women and, um, 125 ounces for men. So that's any liquid. It does include, uh, your coffees, your teas, your, your drink, any sort of drink 
including water from food. Now, a lot of people will be like, okay, hold up. What is, you know, caffeine is supposedly dehydrating. Um, and that has been largely debunked that caffeine um, or coffee, as so long as it's less than 300 milligrams, which is a pretty good amount of coffee, uh, like roughly 24 to 30 ounces, is not necessarily dehydrating. It, you pee more in the first hour, but your total body hi- uh, hydration for the course of the day is, is the same. So that is concerning maybe if you have a burn or something going on right after you finish your coffee, perhaps. Um, or if you're a first responder stuck in a patrol vehicle, you know, if you have to pee in the first hour, it's not a good time, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to suck the water right out of you and you'll be dehydrated the rest of the day. You know, you, uh, again, this is, this is fascinating conversation because I, I know many times people don't drink water because they know they're going to be Mm -hmm. in, uh, some type of environment where they're not going to be able to pee. I mean, that's, that's the cold and that's the, that's that's the hard truth of uh, matter of fact, as I'm sitting here talking about it, one of the things that I remember talking to a friend who was working the riots, he said they provided cases and cases of water, but they wouldn't drink it uh, because they, they knew yeah. they'd have to pee. And it was either pee in your pants or don't pee. And those were your two options, right? So they didn't drink water and consequently or subsequently uh, were getting you know, fatigued, all the, all, everything, all the great things that come with dehydration they were experiencing. So yeah, kind of back to the, to, um, the point you made of hydration, a recommended hydration per day. You said 91 for female typically, uh, is recommended mm-hmm. and 125 for 25. men. Yep. So is there any truth to the, you know, I've been told forever that it's, uh, half your body weight in ounces per day. Is there any truth to that? Or is that, is that? Yeah, there's so many different rules of thumb. It really, we just need people to roughly get better hydrated and have their PV roughly a light. Ah, great point. Um, yeah. Basically now keeping in mind that if it's dark yellow and you just had like a B multivitamin, riboflavin will change the color of your urine. There are some other things that will do that as well. Um, which is why you see banana bags. They're yellow right. because of that, uh, vitamin. Um, right. fun fact. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you, you also want to take that into context too. Like it, some people are going to feel better with more water and some people don't quite need as much or the job is forcing them to do less. So take that with a, a you know, a grain of salt. A lot of times for my officers who are going to be stuck in a car, if you have a long commute, you want to be trying to get that 16, maybe even up to 32 in early on, just so you can, you know, empty when you get to the station and then go back out, but it's still going to be hard. It's, it's just it sucks for a, for a job like what we have. And specifically I'm thinking it within the fire industry, you could be sitting around or doing your normal training. Uh, but then you go on a, a lengthy call yeah. and you're expending fluids like crazy because you're in bunker gear. Sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to know. Uh, oh, what, absolutely. What you should be onboarding and then, on the backside of that, how quickly should you replenish that? I mean, is that something you just gulp it all down over? Uh, you should take a period of time to actually replenish those. What would you What would you say to, hey, I'm completely depleted. How long should it take for me to uh, replenish those back? It really depends. Um, so if you have a training drill or something where you have some uh, something planned, you're stoking at the academy or you're teaching a, a fire suppression at the academy and you know you have a planned burn that day, my suggestion is to weigh yourself prior to and then weigh yourself after. 
Um, and that's before the, like directly before the drill and directly after the drill, maybe keep a Walmart scale at the academy or something. And basically the rule of thumb is for every pound lost, because um, we can see significant losses, is to go for 16 to 24 ounces uh, or 16 to 20 ounces per pound lost. So in the academy, we actually just started doing this with our recruits in Fairfax. We saw five to seven pounds in a couple of our recruits. So it's a learning tool, especially for academy recruits to, oh, okay, like I need to be better at this replacement thing because five to seven pounds for a 200 pound firefighter is probably over, it is over 2% of their body weight. And we know that when firefighters lose 2% of their body weight, they're at significantly higher risk for injury due to that, that amount of dehydration. Um, So it's kind of a long-winded answer because it's like, yes, like you want to rehydrate it, but it's hard to know the quantity unless you know what you actually lost. So it, it's kind of good to learn that in a training uh, uh, setting and then replace that way. Um, the other thing that I really need to mention, a, a great myth when it comes to um, specifically high heat losses. And this isn't just for fire. Um, I would consider like our SWAT police doing any sort of outdoor drills in the summer, really anybody outside in the summer kind of thing. If you're Or you're a triathlete. A lot of people think the only way to rehydrate is through water. And if you do not include the electrolytes, you could actually create a condition called hyponatremia, um, which basically gets your cells water drunk and dilutes sodium so significantly it can cause um, some really bad side effects and even death. Usually it happens in marathoners. I've seen it in fire recruits. Now, firefighters in a fire suppression scenario can lose up to one liter of sweat, 32 ounces or more of sweat in 30 minutes in high heat due to that gear because the gear doesn't allow sweat evaporation. So um, a liter of sweat can have between 500 to 1800 milligrams of sodium in it. So we want to replace that um, with ideally, typically I recommend an oral rehydration solution like liquid IV, drip drop, or Pedialyte Sport, where it has a little bit of sugar. And that sugar is important because it pulls sodium across the cell membrane. And then what follows sodium? Water. So then it helps rehydrate two to three times as fast. A lot of first responders like um, Element or all the sugar-free alternatives to that, which isn't bad. It replaces the electrolyte, but that little bit of sugar, while it seems like, oh, that's bad, like that's not healthy, it's not that it's health-promoting maybe, it's performance-enhancing in the scenario that you're in. No, that's fascinating. So you're uh, so you're actually advocating for sugar within your drinks, uh, which- Depending you know, the- on the scenario. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so let's dive into that a little bit about, and, sure. and, and I, and I want us to circle back to food. I don't want to say that we're going to ignore the food portion here too much, but mm-hmm. this is a fascinating portion of the conversation. Uh, what do electrolytes do? What, what, why, why are those important? Well, so they're, uh, uh sodium, potassium, all of those things are very important for muscle contraction, metabolism. Um, those micronutrients are, are really important metabolism and, um, energy production, muscle, uh, force, all of that. Those are what the biggest things that they're important for. I think in the case of like fire suppression and that kind of thing. Um, and they also help again, pull water into the cell. Um, so it helps with that rehydration process. So we have to replace those. Um, they're also important for metabolism. So, you know, if we don't have enough of that, it can cause really uh, significant damage or you just feel like crap. Um, so that's the biggest thing is I can convince firefighters or, or police, all of that 
to hydrate more because they don't want to feel hungover after, you know, feeling like a dried raisin at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I don't know if I kind of answered. No, that, that, that actually did. And I, and I've never heard it posed that way. I, I know what it is you're talking about that that's very familiar with me, but I've never heard sure. uh water drunk, which is, yeah. uh, you know, you're, you're, you've taken in too much water and it's not balancing out correctly, uh, yeah. obviously. So what would be some drinks? Uh, I know you recommended, uh, a couple in there. Let's revisit that. So if, if what you're saying, I want to, I want to do, you know, follow some of the uh, recommendations that Megan's given me. What are some of those drinks that after I've done a really hard workout or a really hard chore through my daily activities, um, what would be, what would be some things if I went to the store, what would those look like? Yeah. So my biggest recommendations are the oral rehydration solution. So they're called an ORS product. Um, and ORS products were developed for the cholera epidemic actually, where they are meant to treat mild to moderate dehydration where, uh, 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 IV therapy is not available. Um, so it's specifically formulated to speed that rehydration process in a dire scenario. Um, and those are products like liquid IV drip drop, um, and Pedialyte sport is another one as well. And that's the sugar is a key part of that. And that's where I see a lot of first responders missing that. Um, the, the, the other thing I like about these products is they are single packet. So, it's not like a Gatorade where a case of Gatorade takes a huge chunk of space in the back of a vehicle. It's just, it literally would fit into bunker gear, it would fit into a pocket of an officer or a vest of an officer's uniform. But the, the one thing I want to clarify with this stuff is in high intensity, high heat, prolonged scenarios, whether it's a drill or an actual, the hard part is it's typically an unplanned event. You don't know how long you have to perform. You don't know when your last meal is was, well, you might, but like typically it could be hours before, or it could be right before and there's spaghetti piles on the lawn in front of the fire. Um, so with that, a lot of people want me to come out and make healthier canteens, right? The, the language, how do we make our canteen healthier? The challenge with that and marketing a canteen as a healthier thing is in the intensive, in the case of high intensity, high heat, the things you lose most is fuel, right? You're burning a crap ton of calories. Um, and then also sodium. So replacement means we need high sugar, high sodium products on those units to replace them to sustain performance. Why sugar and not like quinoa or something? Um, fiber, protein, and fat will slow digestion, which means the fuel isn't getting to your muscles as fast. So a Gatorade, um, or a liquid IV or, um, pretzels, even a uh, applesauce pouch, something that is, um, you know, doesn't have a lot of fiber, doesn't have a lot of, um, protein or fat will get to your muscles faster, which means you can keep pushing harder, longer. Um, and some of us feel this in our own workouts. If you feel like the weights are getting heavier or you're just sluggish towards the end of your workout, that's an indicator you've probably burned through a decent amount of your glycogen stores and you need to replace it with a carbohydrate. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. I'm not advocating for, um, you know, Gatorade or even so full sugar sodas sitting around the day room, watching football at the end of the night. It's in those high intensity scenarios, you're losing significant amounts and you need to keep performing at a high rate for a long period of time. Hopefully that makes sense. It does make sense. Uh, again, uh, very, very fascinating. So, 
one of the one of the uh, I'm going to call it a misnomer uh, mm -hmm. that maybe we can clean up some some uh, some of the education pieces of this. So I, you know, we've been told sugar's bad for us forever. Correct. You know, stay mm -hmm. away from sugar. Uh, what 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 would you say to that? To say because I hear you saying, hey, it's necessary and needed. Uh, it's part of the delivery package of of keeping you on top of your game. In what, certain scenarios. Mm -hmm. In certain scenarios. Uh, what? Let's talk about sugar for a little bit. Give us the uh, the Megan version of what uh, what's good and bad about sugar. Well, again, it comes down to the the context of how much you're doing. Now, typically, if we're talking day to day, you know, where you're not running these crazy calls, it's not super hot. You're not doing crazy amounts of exercise. Um, you know, typically the American Heart Association recommendation is 24 grams per day for women and 36 grams per day for men. And that's in a two, like a 2000 calorie diet roughly. But here's the hard part is people want us, you know, it's, I can make generalized recommendations, but it comes down to the individual. So a light duty, you know, chief versus a firefighter recruit or a police recruit, they're going to have different needs and different scenarios that they're exposed to. So I have to tailor this to them. Um, also, I think the other side of, you know, sugar, Yes, I think we need to cut back on it. It's important to do so. It's easy to overdo. Um, it, you know, it can lead to a calorie excess because the foods are hyper palatable, which means they taste really good. So you eat a lot of them. <laughs> and we know portion control is a big challenge in the uh, first responder community. Absolutely. So, and then especially, so it's not always just sugar, right? So especially from like a food uh, production standpoint, typically hyper palatable foods or foods we eat overeat, it's um, sugar sodium, fat, and additives. So McDonald's French fries are like the, like, I don't know, what's the word for it? They're the, the best one of this, right? So they're a starch, right? Um, uh, fried in fat, coated in salt, and they're also coated in beef flavor extract, which enhances the flavor even further. So it's They're the gold star standard for palatable. When you right, say they're I, palatable, they're the gold yeah. star standard for palatable. I mean, personally, I prefer a Chick-fil-A fry. Um, you know, I, yes. it's a text. Waffle thing. fries all day long. Uh-huh. Yeah, same. Um, so, but you know, it, it, it's, it's, sometimes it's more than just the sugar or the starch or whatever. And it is, a, a, again, it will spike your blood sugar, right? I mean, it can lead to a spike and a crash if that's what you're just eating, sitting around, right? But that spike could be performance enhancing for people on the fire ground. But the problem is you have to keep replacing it. So if you're doing like an hour of overhaul or something like that, you need to be continually replacing it or that spike is going to cause the crash again. So depending on how fast you're burning through it. So hopefully this makes sense in the sense that it's like, it depends and it is a tool that can be used in high intensity scenarios. Um, we can make healthier choices maybe through fruit or grains and that kind of thing. Um, however, you know, in terms of what's available in some of these scenarios, like it needs to be packaged, even like triathlon goose would work. Um, I'm going to dig down further a little bit on that, that what you just said right there. So, uh, triathlon goose, are those something that actually would be beneficial for first responders to have in their go bag that they go to work with? And, and what, yeah. what does that, what advantage does that play into, uh, you know, keeping them on top of their game? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say they're probably beneficial to like for officers or something like that, or someone like riot scenarios, like where like you really don't know when you're going to get food. Right. And like, you're doing high intensity explosive stuff. Um, 
and you don't have like a place to keep it. Like you have very limited area to occupy. Other things that I would recommend in terms of actual food products for a go bag or rehab bag. Number one, Amazon has like lunch bags that have like a belt clip, which is great for sticking on whatever unit you have. So it doesn't get all jolted around when you're driving like a lunatic. Um, number two, um, applesauce pouches. I'm literally obsessed with applesauce pouches. Um, I might as well just make a costume or a shirt at this point. Um, but <laughs> the reason I love them is one, they're a portable source of fruit that lasts six months or longer. They're great for kids. Um, and they're portable, you know, and you can keep them in a bag. Um, other things that are great for kids, uh, that are great for first responders, fig bars, are they're called nature's bakery fig bars from Costco or, um, Sam's club. You can get, uh, 40 of them for like 20 bucks they are super cheap. Cliff bars, RX bars, protein bars. Um, my personal protein bar favorite is Quest white chocolate raspberry. My clients really like Aloha bars, um, nuts and seeds, dried fruit, um, the liquid IV patch pouches, those kinds of things. Um, tuna, uh, chicken packets, all of those things can be things you can keep in a go bag. Um, really, just because something's maybe processed or packaged doesn't mean it's bad for you. And even if it's like not the best packaged option, is it going to be better than what you would have done if you went unsupervised to the Chick-fil-A after delaying lunch four hours? Yeah. So, so that's a great lead into, I think, circling back to the uh, protein plant portion of our conversation we were having early yeah. on. Uh, let's dive into that a little bit. Um, and, and I do want to eat, I do want to discuss eating out, uh, yeah. you know, kind of what, what that looks like maybe. But if we circle back to the plant, uh, protein plant portion of that conversation, what, what kind of things should we be eating? What, what, what would be good for us, uh, as first responders when we, you know, there's so many variables to sure. shift work and, and, uh, you know, we're hitting fight or flight. We're having adrenaline dumps. We're having cortisol dump. We're having all these things happen within our bodies. Uh, and, and diet just seems to kind of get pushed way to the back. Uh, sure. and, and I think what are some easy things we can do that are kind of check that box? Hey, I'm going to start eating better. I love your philosophy of set the bar lower. Uh, yeah. because you know, I, I, look, I'm a firm, I did it. I, if I can't do here, I screw it. I'm I, I'm just gonna go get a, a, you know, get a Johnny's burger and be done with it. I, I can't attain this level of right. There's there's so what's in the middle, for what's Megan's version of what's in the middle? Yeah. So the the analogy I like to use is like some health professionals who maybe don't have the experience with first responders. They'll come in and they'll be like, um, oh, like let's just make all the firefighters vegan. And I'm like, that's how you get set on fire. Like. <laughs> You're asking them to get to a second story window without a ladder, right? You're not giving the steps. You're not giving them the rungs to get to where you want them to be. And the other side of it too, is it's not linear, which a lot of people forget about. If your kid gets sick, if you get divorced, um, if, if something major happens in your life, there's going to be rungs back going back down. So we may have to go back to places that we had thought we had busted through before. Um, and it all comes down to individuals. So the protein and plant thing, the reason it's it's that is protein one spread throughout the day can help promote um, muscle growth if your goal is gains, right? 
Um, and then if your goal is fat loss, it can help you maintain the muscle that you have while maximizing the fat loss that you're trying to get at. I mean, it, call, it can also help you keep full. Um, the other thing, the plant is me trying to get fiber into first responder diets. And fiber is probably one of the, if I was going to say firefighters or, or first responders in general had any sort of deficiency, it would be fiber. And the reason it's fiber is because what's hard to get when you're on the go and you're tired and you're cranky and you don't feel like you have any money, fruits and vegetables. They're not fun. They're not sexy, right? Nope. Um, they are not a five guys burger after three back-to-back calls. So with that, um, that is what I'm trying to sneak get into diets. Um, and fiber, the other thing is I can quantify how much fruit or the quality of the diet that someone's getting um, by giving fiber numbers. So for uh, men, it's 30 to 38 grams of fiber per day. And for women, it's 25 grams of fiber per day. And the firefighters, the police officers, the dispatchers who come into my office are averaging five to 10 grams a day. And 10 is like, oh, look at that. That that guy's got their act together. Um, And it's nothing against anyone. It's just when you get busy, it's harder to get those foods in. So what are the recommendations when it comes to how do I make this work into my life? Um, Frozen fruits and vegetables are great. Um, A lot of people will say, oh, well, I'm worried that I, that's really hard because I feel like I buy the fruits and vegetables and they go bad in my fridge, right? I get home from shift. I think I'm going to meal prep and then I'm so tired. I I crash on the couch or I got held over. So frozen is phenomenal, even canned um, because frozen fruit uh, and veggies that when they're picked, they're picked at peak freshness. They maintain actually more of their nutrients because they're preserved immediately. Uh, and then compared to fresh fruits and vegetables, which get picked, sit on a truck in the heat, then sit behind the grocery store and then get to the front of the grocery store for you to buy it and then go bed in your, your, your fridge in a week um, or five days, right? So they actually lose nutritional value. So don't discount the frozen fruits and veggies. Um, a frozen fruit you can uh, mix into smoothies. I'm big on smoothies for breakfasts or recovery shakes for first responders. Um, and I always add a handful of spinach, which actually the police have been most nauseated by that for whatever reason. Fire's like, whatever. Um, but <laughs> it's funny you bring this up because I do actually, uh, and, and tell me if I'm way off base here, but I buy yeah. a spinach uh, kale shard mix of greens and use yeah. that in the smoothie. And it's actually, mm-hmm. depending on how I feel like I'm, I'm getting my greens on boarded, I'll do a handful or maybe two handfuls in a smoothie. It yep. is, it is absolutely awful. Uh, but I'll put a frozen apple in there, uh, or, uh, maybe a couple frozen bananas in there and it, it livens up the taste a little bit, but it's still, but it's needed and necessary. I take that as, as you know what? You won't taste it actually yeah. with spinach. Spinach is very mild. Um, kale, it needs a high powered blender. Like you, you have to have a Vitamix and I hate to be a brand snob, but the reality is at least, even the ninjas just don't break through kale. Now, a cheap blender will break through spinach, and spinach is still a leafy green with lots of antioxidants and all those healthy things, potassium, whatever. Um, But if you add protein powder or a flavored um, Greek yogurt, it will hide the taste of of um, of the spinach. So one of the most popular smoothies that I bring out to stations is the Reese's smoothie. Um, It's a frozen banana, a, a scoop of chocolate protein powder, 
a tablespoon of peanut butter, some whatever milk of choice and spinach. Uh, and it tastes like a chocolate peanut butter smoothie. So, but it's green. So at first they look at me like I'm insane and then they try it and they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> you just tricked us. You just tricked witchcraft. us. I tri- I, that's, it's, it's voodoo. Yes, bribery Some kind and of, witchcraft is kind of all voodoo. I do. So, so yes. okay, what you just described then, uh, if we, if a first responder said, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try what Megan's recommending here, a handful of spinach in a, what, what level of, uh, how, how much have we achieved on our grams per day on fiber? Uh, for a smoothie, it's usually like three to five. Um, and actually, if you blend whole fruit, you, some people think that if you uh, blend fruit, you'll lose all the fiber. It's only if you juice it. So like you juice an orange, you throw out all the pith, right? But if you blended the pith into the smoothie, you would still maintain that fiber. Um, so that's like three to five grams. Uh, if you did that with some oatmeal, um, I, I've, Another oatmeal thing I like to do is um, oatmeal with a tablespoon of chia seeds and either bananas and pecans or just apples. And chia seeds, now granted, they suck up water. So if you've ever done chia pudding, they'll just oh, yeah. suck all the water out. Well, let's not let's not ignore the obvious question. If somebody mm-hmm. doesn't understand how important fiber is, what what mm-hmm. does fiber do for us? What does oh great question? What, yes. Why why is that so important? Yeah. So well, I think the number one complaint I get from first responders is I'm hungry all the time, and the the job kind of sets you up for it. The sleep deprivation, the stress, all of that. Um, so the other thing is a lot of times when they say I'm hungry all the time, and I look at their diet, they're not eating a lot of fiber. Fiber is a very filling nutrient, so um, it kind of like gels in the stomach and actually adds bulk and then makes you feel physically more full. Um, the other thing that fiber does is it helps regulate bowel movements. So if you're going too frequently, it will make it less frequently. And if you're not going enough, it will push things out. However, the big warning for my first responders, especially those stuck in vehicles, is that if you jump your fiber from 10 grams a day to 40 grams a day, Things are going to go haywire. Be ready. <laughs> yeah. It, things could go faster. Things could, usually they go a lot faster. So the recommendation is only to increase your fiber by like five grams um, per day per week. So add another five, you know, maybe the smoothie in the morning or something like that. Um, and then the last thing that fiber can do that I think is really important, or at least most relevant, is um, reducing cholesterol or regulating cholesterol and regulating blood glucose. So um, when... LDL cholesterol is in excess. You go to your OC health clinic and they're like, hey, the LDL is looking rough. Or you've been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and your blood glucose is out of control. Extra Increasing your fiber will bind to that excess and eliminate it through the stool. So it helps regulate uh, that cholesterol, which is, is typically one of the challenges we see in our first responders. Now, of course, the first question I get with this fiber stuff is, so can we just shotgun Metamucil at lineup or roll call? <laughs> And can we call it a day? Like, does this fix the nutrition problem? Not exactly. I don't hate it. Like, it's not the worst thing, like, that I've seen first responders do. I've seen first responders do actually much worse things. Um, but if you only knew. Uh, if you only well, knew. I have seen it. I've been to conferences. <laughs> I have seen you unsupervised. And I've been traumatized by it. Um, but in any case... The Metamucil, so psyllium husk fiber can actually keep people more full. So you can actually take it before, like a teaspoon before meals, and it'll help gel and keep people more full. The, the trick is remembering to take it before meals. 
Um, and also it can help regulate blood glucose. So it, it has its place and it can be a tool. However, um, when we just pull fiber out of food or fruits and veggies, what else are we missing? Right? What else are we throwing away? We're throwing away antioxidants. We're throwing away phytochemicals, uh, vitamins and minerals. So don't discount that because a lot of our two biggest health risks for first responders is cancer and cardiovascular disease. And fruits and veggies are high in antioxidants um, and vitamins and minerals that prevent those two diseases or improve symptoms in the cases of those two conditions. So that's why dietitians are such fruit and veggie nags. Um, is because it can really make a big difference in our health profile. The challenges is like, okay, so people think, oh, I can only eat whole foods, right? And yes, eating whole foods is phenomenal. But with the job, that can almost be um, disheartening to people. Oh, I have to only eat whole foods. Well, I can't even eat off of a plate in a patrol car. So, um, you know, if you have to get it through a package, if you have to get it frozen or canned, it still counts. If I were to make a smoothie before my shift, maybe mm-hmm. two or three smoothies, what are the chances of it retaining the nutrients and fiber and all the qualities of that throughout my shift? Uh, it, maybe it's going to sit there for six hours, you know, four, six, maybe even eight hours before I get to it. Uh, is yeah, Am I losing so. anything by pre-making or pre-planning some of these things? you know, these things that I want in my diet? So light and heat will reduce the, you know, the amount of some of the heat sensitive nutrients, like vitamin C is a big one, but it's probably not as significant unless you literally leave it like in the back of your hot car. And then that's just going to be gross either way. Um, but I, I I wouldn't discount that. Now, the other thing I want to mention is there's now products on the market. I don't know if you've seen the, um, micro USB battery powered, uh, blenders. I have not seen that. Um, so the brand name is BlendJet, but there's Amazon versions for cheaper. They're about 30 bucks, but a lot of people will be like, okay, hey, Megan, I have got an infant at home. And if I'm waking up at 3 a.m., I'm not hitting a blender and waking up that infant. And then my spouse is going to murder me, right? Um, so these blenders, you can just pack them with the stuff and then hit it when you need to hit it, right? Um, whether that's in the car immediately or later on. And I think that's probably better because you could get some ice from the academy or sure. a local place and it's probably just going to taste better. Um, but that's, and there's also heatable mic, like lunch boxes and stuff now that you can plug into the car. Like there's a lot of products. It's just, again, you can spend a lot of money on this. I, I, I get that as well. So with, with, and, and this is fascinating, but I want to, I want to honor our time here of our, of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go into some of the more, um, difficult, maybe, um, let, let's, let's talk about some hot button topics, which is caffeine, uh, alcohol, uh, you know, maybe nicotine or energy drinks. Um, what's, what's kind of Megan's take on, on some of those topics? Cause we're a drinking one is we're a drinking culture. I mean, I, I that we're, you know, we're prone to drinking, uh, and I, you know, I, myself being alcoholic, sure. you know, the, the, uh, we love our drinks, uh, and, yeah. and what's, what's the, what's the version of alcohol that's acceptable or maybe even steering away. What's our, what's our, take on that yeah so no one likes this statement like sure. i'm i'm pretty I, I can't remember which agency declared this but basically alcohol is considered a carcinogen and recently they revoked the if you drink in moderation it's fine like it might be health promoting um now they're saying that alcohol in any amount is bad for us take that i did with a grain see of that salt. 
I did see that the the where yeah. they used to say two glasses of wine will keep your keep you from Health. heart disease and yes. you know all these things and they revoked that. Yep, yes. they're saying they did that's, revoke, revoke that's that. not true. Yeah, correct. And and now and I don't want to discount like if you want to have and you know obviously if you are have a healthy relationship with alcohol and you want to have a beer at your captain's retirement like we're not trying to fight you on that. Sure, but I think this gets the alcohol gets way overdone and in the first responder communities. And I honestly, I think in culture in general, I mean, COVID changed the game on that for everybody. Yeah. I mean, honestly, summer too, like I have a pool, man, like mm-hmm. winter Megan versus summer Megan is a different person when it comes to alcohol. <laughs> sometimes I, I'm going to be honest. Like I, I'm no sure. golden child when it comes to this. Um, but I think it's just, it's really easy. And, um, it's not, uh, it's common to overdo it, but just because it's common doesn't mean it's healthy or normal, right? Um, so what that means is, is I think, uh, number one is paying attention to the quantity. So 12 ounces, one serving of alcohol is 12 ounces of beer, not a yardstick, um, five ounces of wine, devastating if you've ever measured that out. And then 1.5 ounces of a liquor that's like 85% alcohol. So it's like really low. <laughs> it's really low. Um, and uh, the other thing that I, I mentioned to first responders is, okay, so a heavy drinking, which is associated with cancer, cardiovascular disease, a lot of really bad things, right? Heavy drinking is for men, four drinks in a sitting, five times a month. Really easy. That's only, uh, that's only you know, somewhere between 30 minutes to an hour for... For most of us. I, I listen, I, I've been to conferences. One was in Nashville. I was I saw things. Um, yeah, so it can get overdone really, really fast, sure. right? Um, and that heavy drinking can build up faster. Um, or if you want to go in the context of a week, it's seven drinks per week for women and 14 drinks per week for men, you know. So that heavy drinking can happen way faster than a lot of us realize. And if you're really concerned about the cancer piece, which I think a lot, especially for the fireside, two out of three line of duty deaths are cancer related. I, I'm not quite sure the number on the police side, um, but I'm pretty sure it's high. If you're really concerned about that, alcohol is what we need to pay attention to. A lot of people will be like, oh, like we need to pay attention to artificial sweeteners or like um, the candles that we're burning. And it's like, is that what we need to nitpick when you're, you know, taking down a liter of vodka every weekend? So it's, um, it's, it's something to take pretty seriously. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you, you are really well versed in the, like how to, if it's a mental pro like a mental thing, a mental hurdle, then that's where you go to the behavioral health side from the dietitian side. Um, sometimes it's not always needed to go to a behavioral health provider. Um, it doesn't mean you have a problem if you drink heavily. Right. I mean, it could mean it, but it doesn't mean it immediately, but it doesn't mean there's no health consequences if you don't have a problem. Well, I was just going to add, I think it's important to note that, you know, we're not just because you drink, we're not claiming that you have an alcohol drinking problem. Yeah. Uh, for, and I like the way that you differentiated there. We're not talking about behavioral health or, or uh, I'm sorry, mental uh, and emotional health. Uh, sure. There's nothing wrong with drinking. There's something wrong with drinking, uh, using to escape or uh, mind numb, self-medicate, you know, those types of things. So I think that's, a, and you make an important point there. Uh, however, I'm going to go back to something you said early on in our conversation, which is consistency of just being all thematically. So a lot of these things just equate to what, what we're putting in our bodies matter, 
what we're doing in in the way of eating or drinking, whatever, be it alcohol or whatever, it, it does have consequences. There's consequences, both good and bad, to whatever we're putting into our body. Let's talk about, let's transition a little bit to, to the caffeine piece. Um, what, you know, cause we're the, again, we're a culture of, of caffeine. We're, we're working weird auto hours and, uh, you know, we're, shift work is crazy. If you get held over or you're going to pull a double last minute, you know, where's the, where's the caffeine, where's the energy drinks? What, what's Megan's take on that? Sure. And, and just before we move into that, I want to just mention a couple of things on how do I cut back from like a nutritional perspective with alcohol, because I don't want to say don't drink and then not give you like, how do I not? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So my big thing um, is, can you alternate with water so that you don't get overly dehydrated and have a really bad hangover is the motivation for me. Um, I've had, I had a really relatively salty fire captain do that for me, for me once. And he was like, listen, Megan, I alternated with water, but then I drank less beer. And I was like, yes. That was why I told you to do it. Um, Did he feel so he cheated? A little bit. Yeah, he felt a little cheated, a little shook from that. Um, because yeah. you know, he liked his really heavier beers and he was like, wait a second. I was it's, too full. Mm-hmm. Some more voodoo from Megan. Uh, listen, I'm I'm full of it. Um so that's one thing. Um, also like mocktails. So that's something I'm, I want to try and get into posting a little bit more, um, especially because, you know, with us having a pool personally, like it's really easy for me to do some mixed drink, you know, to, to go down that rabbit hole of drinking all day. Right. So um, all, having an alternative is important. And I think it's also important for your friends because like at a certain age, you're going to be around people who just don't drink anymore. So if you're hosting, having an infused water, which sounds weird, um, but we do a pineapple and orange infused water. You just take the pineapple core and some orange slices, sit in water overnight, and then you have it the next day. It's a little bit more interesting to alternate your drinks with. Um, making sure your mocktails are fancy looking, you know, with some garnishes and stuff like that. Um, or even just seltzer and lime is, is some ways that you can kind of switch over to that. Um, but I'm not saying that's easy. Um, especially for people who might use it as like a crutch in 7 million different ways, whether it's anxiety or just getting over things. Um, but it's a way to keep it enjoyable and keep still be social with something in your hand. No, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that. Thank you. Yeah. Caffeine. Caffeine. It, it, if I was a, uh, as a dietitian for first responders, if I stepped into a station and said, hey, um, we're going to cut out caffeine entirely, I would get set on fire or, you know, locked up and put in jail and I would deserve it, in my opinion. With that, we're trying to keep caffeine under 400 milligrams a day. So that's the FDA recommendation for healthy, keyword is healthy individuals. So if you have acid reflux, high blood pressure, you're pregnant, we reduce that number to 200. And then of course, there's some medical conditions of which we cut out caffeine entirely, which is brutal. Um, so 400 milligrams is roughly 30 to 40 ounces of coffee total. Uh, of like regular coffee, not like jet fuel or death wish or whatever those, <laughs> you guys find yes. all kinds of stuff. Um, yes. So those standard coffees, you know, and that's reason, in my opinion, it's for the most part, relatively reasonable. I think actually a lot of my first responders are like, oh, okay, that's fine. Where we get into trouble is the energy drinks and the pre-workouts. So with that, I have seen up to 1200 milligrams in some of my first responders, um, and how do we get to 1200 milligrams? You know, you're, you're doing one energy drink. It doesn't work anymore. Now you add another, doesn't work. You've built another tolerance. 
and then you add the pre-workout and next thing you know at 1200 milligrams. Well, the problem with that is when we get to really high amounts is it tends to get to later and later and later in the day. And when you do caffeine too late, like there's a lot of first responders who will say, I'll have a cup of coffee at dinner and I won't have a problem falling asleep. Well, it doesn't impact you know you falling asleep. It impacts the quality of your sleep. So now, of course, the lady in the ceiling and work in midnights, you can't work around that. But when you're at home, if the quality of your sleep is impacted, um, your deep sleep's less when you have caffeine, um, your or rapid eye movement sleep is less when you have caffeine, same with alcohol, same with nicotine. Then you wake up the next day, you don't feel very rested. What do you reach for more of? Caffeine. Caffeine. So... What sounds crazy is I have actually gotten some first responders to say, okay, I can get down to 400. So they pull back on their caffeine to down to around 400, 600 for the really crazy ones. And they're like, "My, I have more energy than I did when I was doing all those energy drinks. And the reason they have more energy is it improved the quality of their sleep. Um, so it, it's something to consider if you're like doing the math on the back of your energy drinks and you're like, holy crap. Um, to pull back. Now, how do you do that? How, how do you pull back on caffeine? Um, I have gotten to the really sad point in my career where I am now recommending like the sugar-free monsters and Red Bulls because they're 140 and 160 milligrams per can compared to bang, rain, and Celsius heat at 300 milligrams of caffeine per can. So if I get someone who drinks three bangs a day down to drinking three monsters a day, it, they're still getting the same routine with half of the caffeine. So it inadvertently reduces it. Am I saying it's healthy to start adding three monsters in a day? No. <laughs> but if it's somebody who's already doing that behavior, it really makes it a little bit easier to pair back on. Um, and cutting out co- uh, caffeine cold turkey, energy drinks cold turkey, usually doesn't go very well for people. <laughs> No. So, well, I, and, and again, I hear the messaging, uh, coming, coming across again as, as this is about consistency and moving the needle slowly, uh, instead of just doing our culture of black and white, we're either all in or all out. Uh, it's, it's, it's this or that there's no middle. And I hear you saying, uh, a lot of your messaging is there's a lot in the middle that we're missing here. And I would love to spend some time talking to you about, uh, about sleep, maybe, uh, Maybe is there, maybe would you like to comment on that as we kind of, kind of circle this, uh, circle this up and wrap it up a little bit. Um, Absolutely. This, I'd love to hear your, your take on the importance of sleep. Well, super important from a mental health perspective. And again, I'm not, I'm not numero uno in the uh, professional department, but, um, getting five hours of consistent sleep at minimum, I believe it's five hours, five or six at minimum consecutive can help your brain um, kind of process traumatic memories of which that you are exposed to literally on a a, a daily basis. Um, So it helps your brain kind of take out the trash and process those those traumatic memories. Now, will it eliminate the pain from those memories entirely? Absolutely not. But it will reduce some of those risks for anxiety and depression. Um, And the challenge with first responders, uh, I don't have the numbers for police, but There was a study of 7,000 firefighters that found that 37% of them had a sleep disorder and 80% of the ones that had a sleep disorder didn't know about it. Um, So it's very easy to develop some sort of sleep disorder with uh, shift work. So it's important to um, 
you know, maybe get some testing done if things sound right. If you suddenly picked up snoring, we need to get you checked for the sleep apnea and, and some of those tests. And a lot of times, OCK Health clinics will do that for you. But if you're like, okay, I don't know if I, I think my sleep's not so good. Like, how do I know it's not so good that I need to go to a doctor? Um, and the PSQI, the Pittsburgh uh, sleep test, I think, um, was a study that has a questionnaire. I can send it to you. Maybe you can link it. Um, that you can fill out and it'll help tell you if you score well or score poorly um, to, to see if it's maybe time to get checked for a sleep disorder. So that would be a way you can figure out if that's a good idea for you to go see a professional. But for sleep in general, so that the, the main reason it's important is for processing those, those memories and recovery from shift. Um, the other thing that's important is when you're sleep deprived, you, your leptin is reduced, which leptin is a hormone that is hunger suppressing. Um, so it makes you feel more full and then ghrelin is increased. So, um, that means it's a hormone that increases your hunger. So the hormone, when you don't get enough sleep, the the hormone that keeps you full is reduced and the hormone that keeps you hungry is increased. So we see a like 24% increase in hunger food choices change as well. So that means you're reaching for things that are higher fat, higher sodium, higher sugar. And I'm sure all, every single one of us has experienced this, right? Um, so it impacts the food choices and the food quality, uh, with the sleep. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where sleep is from, uh, why it's important. Now, how do we do better with it when there's a lady in the ceiling, um, or midnight shifts happening? Uh, big thing is going to be naps count. Naps are cumulative. I encourage naps. If you can get your captain to let you sleep on duty, now police, I don't think you can do this, but fire, if you can get a 20 minute nap, uh, it's there's some evidence to support that it reduces um, risk later on in the shift and then also improves decision-making, even 20 minutes. Um, so you're looking at 20 minutes or 90 minute naps and 20 minutes is the brain break, turn your brain off. The 90 minute naps allow you to go through all four phases of sleep, light, awake, deep, rapid eye movement, so that you feel more rested. Anytime in between that, you could wake up and feel really irritated. So um, if you can't get the seven to nine hours a night, it counts if you can get closer to it per day. So prioritizing that, like especially if your food choices really are not great and your mental health, you're struggling with it, then that's an indicator that sleep is the starting point. We can work on nutrition stuff too, but sleep might be the main thing. You know, the, uh, there's, there's a couple of things that come to mind when, when we talk about this. So, so it's been said, I've heard it said that sleep is the greatest life hack known Mm -hmm. to your, uh, betterment of health. Uh, I've, I've referenced several times on this podcast, uh, Matthew Walker's book on why, why we sleep. Uh, and he talks about a lot in there. He talks about naps and, and, you know, early on in my career, I would have laughed at you, but it seems to be a growing uh, trend mm-hmm. uh, for yep. napping within the first responder culture. Um, there's, uh, you know, obviously availability in a lot of our emergency rooms for, you know, nurses and docs to, to nap, yes. uh, fire departments. It's a little bit more difficult for the law enforcement community, but I have heard of napping uh, of chiefs allowing their officers to come in and nap. Uh, even having these mm-hmm. these napping beds, uh, these and, awesome. and I'm not going to advertise for you know whoever, but these you know these enclosed capsules that are 
are phenomenal for just capturing a, you know, a 15 to a 90 minute nap. Uh, so yep. it's, it's a, a absolute, uh, amazing part of just, you know, hacking your life to betterment, uh, which is sleep, you know, it, it yeah. and one of the, one of the statistics that I like talking about with Matthew Walker is, uh, the statistic was for the people who can function non-impaired, um, on six hours or less sleep, uh, rounded to a whole number is less than, uh, less than one, you know, yes. th- there's, it just doesn't exist, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's not drunk impairment, but we're talking about not functioning adequately or correctly, but, uh, right. So Megan, this has been amazing. Ha- thank you so much for coming on and, and, uh, giving us some information on nutrition and sleep and, and hydration. If people wanted to find Megan, uh, how would they, how would they look you up? Where would they find you? Sure. Um, so I am at rescue.rd on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And I post six times a week, mostly geared towards firefighters. It's in firefighter language, um, and colors, but I would say the information is pretty across the board relevant to first responders, uh, in general. Um, I also have a website, rescuerd.com, and I actually have a free recipe book on there. It's geared towards fire station dinners, five to $6 a head for shifts of six, 10, and 14, half a pound of protein per person, those standard shift numbers. Just keep in mind, if you're not a firefighter, six, it feeds six firefighters. So that's eight to 12 normal humans. Um, you're going to have leftovers. You're going to have, yeah. So if you're a single, like cut it in half. If you are a family of four, you're going to have at least a couple days of meal prep, which is really, which works really well for people. Um, but I always warn people about the math. So rescuerd.com or on the interwebs, that's me. Megan, thank you so much for the information and thank you for taking time out of your day to come on and uh, uh, fill us with some knowledge here on uh, sleep and nutrition. Absolutely. Thank you. Chateau Recovery is a 16 bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's First Responder Resiliency Program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their careers. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information or to speak to a representative, go to chateaurecovery.com or call 888-507-5031. No One Fights Alone is also sponsored by First Responder Trauma Counselors. First Responder Trauma Counselors are subject matter experts in proactive behavioral health care for frontline workers through their National Peer Support Academy. This 40-hour all badges, all uniforms, and all scrubs educational experience helps to create caring, honest, and empathetic peer support relationships with your fellow frontline workers. The FRTC National Peer Support Academy is taught by actual first responders who have gone back to school to become culturally competent, licensed behavioral health clinicians that teach from lived experiences, not just theories from books. This fast-paced, immersive educational academy will not just change your life, it will help you save the lives of others. For additional details, 
Visit 991overwatch.org or call 970-222-419-3. This could be the most life-changing academy you'll ever attend.